The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out Hello, welcome along to another episode of Talent Talk Asia podcast, another dose of motivation, inspiration, tips and compelling stories of talented people sitting in Asia. Before I get going with today's episode, I just want to say a huge thank you for the amazing reaction I had after the previous episode with Andrew McNeilis from Faden. It was great to hear the positive comments on social media. So please keep it up and let's continue to create an inclusive community within the talent sector. And thank you to those who rated the previous episodes. It might seem a small thing to you, but it means a great deal to me. For me to deliver this content every fortnight for free, ratings and reviews are so important. If you can take a few minutes to rate and review on whatever platform you use, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, it really does help. Also, do check out our Talent Tip Tuesday series featured on YouTube, where I tackle a recruitment challenge every fortnight. Today, I'm joined by Jessica Deary, who likes to go by the name of Jess, whom graduated from King's College in London with a Bachelor of Laws in 1999 and spent over six years working for prominent law firms such as Baker McKenzie, Freshfields and Allen's Arthur Robinson, taking her to Sydney, Shanghai, Hong Kong, New York and Singapore, specialising in intellectual property and information technology space. Jess then moved into the corporate world, taking up senior legal appointments for over 10 years, working for the likes of ESPN Star Sports and Sony Picture Television Networks. In 2019, she took the bold step of venturing into the world of search with her business partner and husband, Mark Deary, also a Magic Circle lawyer, and both lead a successful recruitment agency specialising in legal, compliance and public policy positions across the Asia-Pacific region. In today's cast, we explore what led a corporate lawyer to transition into a legal recruitment specialist role and build a business with her husband and how she's adamant it is not a sales role. Jessie will share her insights on what typically a legal candidate is looking for in a recruitment partner when switching jobs, as well as how her company is expanding into the new territories in 2021. Hi, Jessica. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks oh, for having me on this. Oh, should I say hi, Jess? <laughs> you, you like to be called Jess, right? Jess is good too, yeah. So what, so what made you decide to move into the legal prof- profession? 
Boy, as many moons ago. Uh, do you know, I, I kind of fell into it. I know I, I've listened to some of your other podcasts and people say yeah. they fell into recruitment. I was like, well, I kind of fell into law. Okay. I actually wanted to be a doctor. And Did you? Yeah, and put myself through sciences all those years. And then at the, pretty much the last minute decided I wasn't going to be a doctor kind of had a moment of what am I going to do and somebody suggested someone at the school I was at actually suggested well have you considered law did the law degree really enjoyed it and then I just kind of got on that conveyor belt went like at second year of university the law firms come round they sort of you know they woo you yeah and yeah. I ended up applying for a vacation scheme thought I'd try it out really it's a enjoyed vacation it. scheme so during the during your holidays at university mm. you can do like a three week placement at a law firm where they pay you so when you're a student that's a big draw God, it's amazing yeah it's, a, it's brilliant and then they um you basically get to sort of sit in different teams and experience what it's like to be you know a solicitor oh sort of rotate around yeah. different areas so that's really good work experience yeah. so did that um it's obviously a marketing flow from their point yeah, of view of for, you who, know. who did you do who did you go and work with then at that time so i did one with simmons and simmons okay and anderson legal at the time oh. and uh, really enjoyed it so i thought okay then i'll and so then that just set that train in motion yeah so then you know if you apply for a training contract and you get it they pay for your one year legal practice course and then you've got a job waiting for you and yeah and so I, I said why wow. not so you fell into it mm. so you went from you went from a law firm to the corporate world so can you share with me the area that you went on to specialize in and why you chose that particular area over all the other stuff that you could have done so law firm when when I decided like in the course of my degree what I really enjoyed was like intellectual property law right and also having lived in Asia um, as a teenager although having grown up all my life in the UK but lived in Asia for a couple of years I also knew I wanted to get back to Asia at some point okay so that was also part of the reason why I thought I'll I'll be a solicitor rather than a barrister I want to join a, a law firm Okay. Because they have international offices. And so when I applied for my training contracts, it was all with firms that had a presence in Asia. Gosh, you're so intentional. <laughs> Amazing. Where did, so, just before you go, where, where were you living then when you said you lived as a teenager for a couple of years? Where in was Singapore. It? I was in Singapore, yeah. was it really? Yeah, as a teenager, yeah. What's it like as a teenager? Oh, no, I've got teenage kids now, but they're really lazy. They don't do anything. But did you have fun as a teenager living here? Oh, yes. Yeah? Yes. Oh, look, I went from like an all-girls grammar school in, in Surrey, in Kingston, yeah. to United World College. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So wow. It was quite a change. And now your kids are there now? No, so my kids are not there now. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, my kids, yeah. Oh, right, okay. They're, so they're in, in the local system here. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. I know we're digressing, but I, I just want to be really nosy on that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you said you liked the intellectual property side. Yes. Why, why? What was it that interested you about that particular area? I suppose given my science background, like I'd always mm -hmm. done sciences, so I was really interested in, I thought I'd be really interested in sort of patents and, mm -hmm. and, and that area. And actually, as I started to study it, I thought all of the copyright and trademark and the fact that it was like commercial exploitation, it was something that I could see around, you know, in, it's something I could relate to. Yeah. So when I, you know, I applied to qualify into that team and I got it. So that was great. And then thereafter, um, when you do intellectual property, you can either be, you can do contentious, which is like litigation and okay. disputes. Okay. So trademark infringement or copyright yep. infringement. Yeah. Or you can do commercial, non-contentious, which would be, you know, maybe large M&A deals with a, 
IP focus and providing support on that or, you know, transaction technology transactions, which I thought was really interesting. And I'm, I did both as a junior lawyer and then moved to Sydney, did because I wanted to go to Asia. Yeah, so you went all the way to... Well, it was, <laughs> at the time, it was SARS. Oh, Post-SARS. So, so there were no jobs in Asia. Yeah, 2003, yeah, okay, okay. There were no jobs. Um, and actually, a recruiter that I'd been speaking to said, well, Australia are recruiting because there's this natural flow of lawyers from Australia to London, London to Australia. Right, right, okay. And I thought, well, why not? I was ready for a change. Mm. Um, and by that time, I'd met Mark... And um, so the Australian law firm Allen's was actually looking for lawyers more in his practice area rather than mine. Okay. Uh, But they ended up taking both of us. Oh, you Uh, both worked together there? We were in different teams, but yeah. But you married at the time? No. Okay. (laughs) That's interesting. Uh, We were together in a relationship, but we weren't married then. Uh, We moved over, um, had a brilliant time. I absolutely loved it. Um, But then Mark got headhunted for an opportunity with a big US law firm in Singapore. Who was that? Latham and Watkins. Right, okay. Um, and so I was a bit torn because I was loving mm. the work and loving the lifestyle in Australia, but also ultimately Asia had been the goal. Yeah. So yeah. we came and then I got a job with Baker and McKenzie. Um, and then around that time, I was probably about five plus years of post-qualification experience. And I was approached about an opportunity to go in-house for ESPN Star Sports. Oh, and right. I wasn't looking, but as a sort of technology media lawyer, the number of options in-house, I suppose are relatively, at the time, limited compared to if you're a corporate or a banking or a finance lawyer. Um, and it was ESPN Star Sports. And it yeah, was just like my dream cool job. So, so, so tell, me about, tell me about that role and how long were you there for? What do you like about it? I was with ESPN Star Sports for about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. It was a big change because when you're in practice, you're a specialist. Mm. And then suddenly you go to being a more general commercial lawyer. Mm. So steep learning curve. Um, absolutely loved it, though, because you're part of the business. And the thing I've always liked is, you know, relationships really cl- with clients. And you're in there and you have the opportunity to really form, you know, strong relationships with your clients. You you get embedded into the business you become a trusted advisor mm, they mm. come to you with their problems you help them solve it and you kind of see everything all the way yeah, through yeah um and i i absolutely loved it as a long-term relationship as well it's not when you're external you're exactly there, you know, it's a little, yeah. little bit more sort of beneficial so when you, you were you were there for two and a half years what was the reasons for for moving away from them again a recruiter god damn those <laughs> I recruiters know. i mean actually genuinely Every single move has been just something that's just been proposed to me, right. not something that was actively seeking. Right. But you must have been, but you must have been looking, not actively looking, but to, to entertain that call, though, right? So, yeah. was there anything? What, what was not being met in that role that that made you decide to look at something else? So, I suppose at ESPN Star Sports, I absolutely loved the work and I loved the clients, but it was a joint venture. And there were rumours of all things perhaps not being, you know, it was not going to continue in the same fashion. Right. So I'd already right. kind of thought, hmm. So change was You know, was change is coming. Yeah, okay. Change can be good or not. Um, and I, I mean, I, I still really enjoyed the work and the team. Um, but then when that recruiter called and said. Yeah, who was the recruiter? Do you remember? Oh, I do. It was a lady called Chris Leong and she was fabulous. 
She was Chris really, Leon. Yes. Okay. So I worked with a guy called Chris Leon, but that was a guy, not a girl. So yes, and unless she he's was, had a sex change. She was great. Well, actually, how it came about was a friend of mine said, hmm. Jess, a recruiter, has just asked me if I know anyone that might be interested. And he was too junior. Oh. And so he said, do you mind if I put you in touch? And I was curious because he said, it's media. And I said, oh, okay. And then she called and we had a really good chat about it. And I said, look, I'm not not actively looking, but I suppose, and she said, look, just why don't you have a conversation, find out more, yeah, and see. brilliant. So I was like, okay. Referral, kind of referral, wasn't it? Yeah. She called one person and they passed on your yeah. name. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah. Fantastic. And so you went to work for Sony. Was that, in, and talk me through the role, was it very different from what you had before or? Yeah, so why I, why it was interesting to me is because it was now more general entertainment. So ESPN Star Sports is very sports focused, which is brilliant. Yep. Yep. Um, but this is general entertainment. And also it was for their business affairs role. So it was very much focused on productions, original productions that Sony were producing for TV and okay. um, content acquisition, which were the two areas that I liked the most, I suppose. When I was at ESPN Star Sports, I did everything from advertising, marketing, mm-hmm. events, corporate. Um, so I thought, you know, they were doing some exciting projects. They were producing like The Amazing Race Asia, um, oh. you know, and there was um, The Apprentice with things I worked on. And so I thought this will be different actually yeah. to be a production lawyer. When you, said, when you say a production lawyer, excuse my, excuse my ignorance because I've never done any legal recruitment in my life. So talk me through what does that mean when you say... you doing production yeah what does that mean so that's everything from negotiating the format if it's a format like so for example the apprentice yeah that's a a a brand format we acquired the rights to produce the show for asia okay so it's negotiating the rights deals then it's working on like the contestants agreements uh, all the vendor agreements like all the production company agreements being on location to make sure you need to do the briefings with the contestants did you do that yes make sure that tony fernandez who was you know yeah he was the boss you know stuck to his brief yeah (laughs) so yeah it was was really interesting and i I love it because productions generally don't go according to plan (laughs) There's always, you know, um, little fires. And what I absolutely loved was that people in production, they are just amazing. They're just so calm. Like nothing phases them. They dealt with chaos the whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were running around, were you? Kind of headless chicken. But what was one one thing in that role, one area in your role that surprised you the most? How much I actually was welcomed into the production team actually because I think lawyers are often viewed with a bit of suspicion and mm. they can be like the no person yeah, exactly. and the, you know, yeah. boring person who always puts a dampener on everything but within my first month of joining Sony what surprised me is they invited me on location and that was the best thing they could have done because I learned what the challenges were really quickly. Right, you could see it in action. Yeah, I could Mm. see it in action. I could understand that if you were this kind of lawyer, you'd be no good to anyone and they wouldn't come to you with their problems. And equally, it was great. Mm. Yeah, it was great because they got to see who I was, like what kind of person I was. And I mucked in on everything. Like, so on day two, they gave me a mic like this and I became a runner. Like, so they were like, yeah. I was Brilliant. like, well, I've done my legal briefing. What can I do? Yeah. And they're like, well, if you don't mind, we could do with an extra pair of hands, like getting the contestants ready for the next thing. It's like, yeah, sure. That's great. Um, and so we sort of bonded and, I th- and that yeah. taught me a good lesson about, you know, it's really important to understand 
their challenges yeah. you know and it's yeah. not just about doing the contracts yeah yeah well they're going to be more likely to confide in you when there's a potential of a problem as opposed to waiting until it gets bigger and yeah I love that that's fantastic so um which as- which aspects of the role didn't you enjoy so much in that particular that particular appointment well I suppose it's that it's 24 7 like is it really doing production yeah something like the amazing race asia as well where it's sort of going like it, you're on call all the time and it's kind of on tender hooks and not really knowing what's going to come up and having to make sometimes decisions pretty quickly so yeah. you know some i guess in practice you always have the fallback of supervisor you can kind of refer to oh, i need to, to research that whereas mm. there you have to make a decision so how did you feel about that because i mean did you sort of, do you have a sort of a method that you go through when you have to make those kind of calls? Would you just take a risk and, or you, you know, you think back to when you've done it before or you, you know, you call so, you know. Yeah. So it it was a real, um, I had a great legal team who was very experienced and so that, that was great to have their support, but yes, it becomes, you become more commercial. You start not, not, it's, it's the lesser of two evils. Like what's the risk? Okay. Mm. Yes. Legally, maybe this isn't, the best way to do this mm. but what are the risks and, and production yeah. must go on and you can't hold it up yeah um so look I did so I did that at Sony for, the, for about two years and then they moved me into the general corporate lawyer as well because they then realized there was a whole other side of the business that really needed a lot of support in terms of their like channel distribution deals. They were doing JVs. So it was a mixture of a role then. Was it looking yeah. at a number of areas? So then like, they came yeah. across everything. Right. So when I was hired, it was just to do production mm. and um, content acquisition. Yeah. And then as I, the, you know, after a few years there, it, it went compl- much broader. Did you like that? That it, that it, did you like the broadness of that or would you prefer just to stay doing the content? So when it was propositioned, I was like, my gut was like, no, I love what I'm doing. I don't want to do all this other stuff. Yeah. And what do you mean joint ventures? I haven't looked at a joint venture since I was a trainee. Like, um, But then everybody was really supportive and they said, it'd be really great for you to get exposure to the business. We really need someone of your seniority to do it. And so I thought, okay, I'll transition across mm-hmm. and do it. And yeah, I loved it. I ended up, yeah. uh, what I loved then was, different sort of really being involved in strategy for the business really difficult um sort of first of type projects um working a lot with finance and bd things i didn't think i would enjoy but so, I really they, did. so they got they got you involved then you were able to have that seat at the table then is that what you're yes. saying yeah then eventually became part of the management team and then yeah i was, I was heading up legal for for Asia fantastic yeah, and when you said Asia which what was the jurisdictions what were you looking after so Southeast Asia plus mm-hmm. um, we didn't really have much of a presence in China but China was part of it as well but it's all your major Southeast Asian territories in which they broadcast and so, so you were managing people as well yes yeah quite a big no also. like quite a lean legal team yeah. yeah so we really um, we were probably amongst all the studios like if you compare us to um like Viacom, Paramount and, you know, Warner Brothers and, and HBO, all their legal teams were, were much bigger than ours. Right. But, so yeah. it was long hours. <laughs> it was. Pretty much. It was. So at the, t- at the time, at, at your time at Sony, you were, you were the co-chair of Aviva's regulatory and anti-piracy committee. Yes. So what was involved in that? So that was being... Um, it's really looking at policy and regulatory issues affecting um, the video industry, right, oh. in Asia. So that was um, 
it could be a range of issues really for TV. It could be censorship issues. It could be market access issues. It could be piracy was a big one, mm. you know, obviously. And, and with the rise, we, we went from sort of your, I guess your DVD era gone. DVDs. Now it's, yeah, back in the day. Gosh. Then it's like internet streaming and then yeah. the black boxes that you yeah. buy at Simlin Square. I don't know what you mean. No. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I was the Sony rep for those meetings. Lots of uh, studios have dedicated government affairs teams. Right, we okay. didn't. I right. mean, we did, we did, but they didn't have a headcount in Asia. Okay. So it was US um, based in Europe. Right. And when I went on a trip to the US, they said, oh, Jess, you're, you're in Asia. Can you moonlight for us <laughs> oh. as well? Um, right. So I did that. And then I ended up being co-chair, f- you know, uh, for Avia, which was great. Um, and then that also led to... I pronounced it wrong, didn't I? Did I say Aviva? <laughs> yes, it's Avia. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise. <laughs> um, so, but that that was great and actually helped now in recruitment, mm-hmm. which I know we're going to get to. Yeah. But that's why the public policy part is... You know, I, I cover public, public policy. Because when, I, you, when you do your recruitment. Yes. Right. And that was a request from people through you know, the work I'd done um, oh. on on that side. Right, Because okay. aside from Avia, there's also the Motion Pictures Association. And I was a Sony rep for the Motion Pictures and they do a lot of, you know, policy and regulatory work for the studios oh, more generally. Right. Um, sounds really exciting. <laughs> so, so in 2019, you moved into recruitment. Yes. You said goodbye to the world of law in that respect. And, and you work with your business partner and your husband, yes. Mark, um, at Horizon Recruitment. So what were the drivers behind you moving into recruitment? Well, uh, look, the offer had been on the table for a few years from Mark. Had it? It had. I, in all honesty, had been hesitant because you know what they say about husband and wife businesses. God, yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, well, we'd stay married. Yeah. Um, he was always like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, well, you know, and it was interesting because we have friends who've done husband and wife businesses yeah. and they were like, don't do it. Really? <laughs> so there'd been that sort of hesitation. Also, I just loved what I was doing at Sony yeah. um, and was still enjoying being a lawyer. And Mark said to me, don't do it until you feel like you've gone as far as you want to in your legal career. Because yeah. once you leave it could be hard to go back. Yeah, definitely. Because right? it's a completely different area, isn't it? I mean, yes. I know you're supporting, obviously, for legal roles, but it's a sales role, effectively. So it is different. So when you said 2019, when was that then exactly? So that was left in uh, at the start of April. Okay. And then I took a month off and I started, I think it was in June with Horizon. Right. Um, but one of the other, yeah, the main driver was really, Mark had, I mean, the business had grown a lot, Um very busy um was looking to recruit at a senior level found yeah. it found it difficult to recruit the right people consultant yeah. right okay um because we have quite um i suppose we have a you know specific way in which we want to do recruitment mm-hmm. um, and that's really important for our brand and when you say a different way what do you mean by that well so for us the focus is really on building long-term relationships with candidates and clients Mm -hmm. and very focused and targeted recruitment. So having been both candidate and hiring manager and, you know, um, I think recruitment can be really challenging and frustrating Mm -hmm. for candidates and hiring Mm -hmm. managers. 
And so the model we have is really wanting to just, you know, we'll never flood a client with lots and lots of CVs. Mm. You know, the best things have been for me, I send in two and they hire one. Wow, that's a pretty good hit yeah. rate. So yeah. that's the ideal model. I mean, normally we send in maybe yeah. five or six, but, but qu- that's it. So would would it be then that when you're only sending that such a small amount on your shortlist, are you spending quite a long time producing that shortlist in terms of screening candidates? Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. do you give? So are your clients happy to wait that little bit longer then? Yes. Yeah. When okay. they when they understand and when they see the difference it makes. Yeah. And we manage expectations, and I think clients get it because. Mm. I mean, I had a client say to me quite early on when they engaged me, they said, so how many CVs are you going to send me? And I said, I don't know. Um, hopefully the one. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting, I isn't don't it? Because you don't really... want to be committed to a minimum number. And I said yeah. to them, and you don't want like 20 CVs. Yeah. You know, I don't want to waste your time. I want to send you some really good CVs. If I have 20 star candidates to send mm. you, I will. Yeah. But the chances for this particular brief are we're going to have like, three or four yeah um and they were a bit surprised because mm. I think they were used to having a KPI in their contracts with recruiting agencies yeah. that says you must send me yeah, x number a, of CVs yeah, yeah. right and it just does just reduces the quality that the client gets at the end of the day yeah yeah so I think we found it quite difficult well Mark found it quite difficult to hire people who also understand it's not about just bombing in loads of CVs mm. And also, this is not a sales job. I mean, I've had a few people say to me, it is like, a they sales talk, job. it is and it isn't. So, I, that's, that's the difference, right? <laughs> so, we are about um, sort of eyes wide open recruitment, mm-hmm. really focused and targeted. And we, because a lot of the candidates we work with become clients, mm-hmm. and that only happens mm-hmm. if they trust you mm-hmm. and you've been so, up front with them yeah. all the way through. So don't try and fit a square peg into a round hole because mm. nobody is happy. You know, mm. the candidate isn't happy if they go into a role. It turns out to be something completely different. Yeah. Similarly, you burn your relationship with a client. Yeah, a candidate's more in the legal area, a little bit more risk adverse. Perhaps, well, I would say maybe not risk adverse, but maybe they do their due diligence. Mm, like mm. they really want to know in detail and they do your due diligence on you as the recruiter. Yeah. They want to know, do you really have this relationship with the firm yeah, or the I've, partners? I found that we had a small team of legal recruiters a long time ago, a really, really long time ago at Robert Waters. And that, that was one thing I always noted. It was a very different model. We always sort of joked that it was, you know, legal, they like to do it differently. <laughs> and I suppose it's a little bit what tech is, is now is that it, yeah. it's done differently. And we all accept that it's done differently. But I, or I certainly saw that from legal, that it wasn't a flooding of CVs, but people, you know, the clients and candidates are always really, well, they wanted to know the backgrounds. They respected recruiters that had come from a law background um, yeah. that seemed to be quite a common thing so I always found that quite interesting because in any other sector no one really is is too bothered maybe the accountancy side um, so how did you carve out the market for yourselves then because obviously you came in your husband was doing one area how did you decide in terms of how to split that so we there was a kind of one easy clear division of responsibilities is that he would focus on private practice so law firms okay and given my experience, having been in-house for like 10 years, yeah. the in-house, I would lead in-house. Okay. So we had different clients in that respect. Yeah. However, 
private practice is um, you know, it's a huge market, lots of different practice areas. It's really varied. You've got your corporate lawyers, your banking lawyers, mm. your IP lawyers, mm. your disputes lawyers. Um, so we play to our strengths. Given my IP tech background, yeah. I will naturally be the lead for those roles and disputes in international arbitration. Okay, so it's a bit more from the job type perspective. Yes, and, and sometimes clients. But okay. saying so Mark, I mean, it's fortunate, really. He came from the corporate finance background. Oh, right. So we're okay. complementary so in terms stuff. of okay. yeah, the, the skill sets we have right. and our understanding of these different practice yeah. areas. Then each of us also um, have, you know, set client relationships. Uh, so right. some firms, I'll be the main account Got manager, it. as you would would say I suppose but then we also have other firms where they prefer to you know each partner of a practice area Mm -hmm. will deal directly with the recruiter so it's not always centralized like some law firms or some clients they have a dedicated sort of recruitment team Mm. who interfaces with the recruiter and Mm. others it's the hiring partners we have a direct relationship so Mark for one firm Mark will have a relationship with certain partners and I'll have a relationship with other partners okay okay so that works. I think it's a lot of it is relationship driven as well, isn't it? You know, sometimes clients will just have a connection with a with a particular recruiter, and that works exactly. for people. So you have to be sort of a little bit more flexible on how it's worked, right? And yeah, and we're really encouraging like the, the, our team. We've got two other sort of full time consultants. I didn't know that. And yeah, and so Bella, who came on. At an interesting time in February of 2020. Oh, yes. Gosh, poor girl. Um, and I, I mean, I, it was a big win for us because Bella actually was in my legal team at Sony. Oh, really? Yeah, so she was one of the lawyers in my team. So you're teaching her ret- recruitment? So I was secretly thinking, it, you know, it would be amazing to have her because our brand is very much about, I guess our unique selling point for, for clients and candidates is we understand what you do. We understand what you're looking for, mm. both sides. Um, and so having, like you just said, you know, the background really helps. I think yeah, so credibility, it isn't it? Yeah. if Bella ever wanted to do recruitment. And uh, I left in April and yeah. in December, she said, Jess, can, can I speak to you about job opportunities? So I thought wow. she wanted me to find her yeah. a new job. Oh, so was she in, what was she doing in legal then? She was in-house counsel at Sony. Right, okay. And then she said, actually, I was wondering if I could work with you again. And I said, Gosh, oh, what, in recruitment? I'd that's be pretty delighted. That is, yeah, that isn't um, such a, a regular yeah, thing. So that's no. interesting. Yeah. Um, so we had a chat about it. And I yeah. said to her, look, it's completely different. I would absolutely love for you to come on board. Yeah. But let's do a trial. Um, and then, of course, COVID, COVID hit. She, she can survive oh, that. She can survive but anything. she's done really well. So she's what does she specialise in then? How has that complemented your business? So the intent was in-house mm-hmm. because of her background. Again, mm-hmm. we're playing to our strengths. Mm-hmm. But she's absolutely picked up um, private practice. She's closed private practice. She's closed in-house. Even during COVID, it's been brilliant. She's done super well. That is amazing. What do you think has helped her then? Um, so we, we just had our like end of year review. <laughs> oh, did you? I said it was really informal. I said, look, I suppose we should catch up on how it's been and whether you still want to do it in 2021. 20, um, and she said she's really enjoyed it. And actually, 
perhaps the fact that we had COVID and therefore wow. had quieter months was really helpful because it meant she yeah. had that time to ramp up, yeah. to, you know, do her research, <clears throat> yeah. take the time to do, you know, those initially quite time consuming processes when you're, when you're learning mm-hmm. anything new. Um, she said she really enjoyed working with both Mark and I on different uh, jobs. We have, you know, different, perhaps a different way of working. Right, so sort of shadowed a lot yes. of those roles. Right, okay. Um, but she knows my style and, and Mark's similar to me is you, we want you to get as much client candidate exposure as you can handle. Mm. Um, we don't want you to be in the back office, you know. Yeah. No, form those relationships. Yeah. She brought in an account for us. Um, which is amazing yeah that is amazing um and I think we've been there every step of the way so she's very good we have really good communication so she's very good at checking with us is she on the right path right um we have weekly updates and catch-ups and we're really accessible and I imagine Um, from a candidate's perspective I think this always works when you take someone from the industry is that they generally have more of an understanding on what why people are not happy in their roles or what kind of roles they're looking for they can verify and assess a can or screen a candidate probably a lot more effectively than someone that hasn't come from that world I mean I'd have absolutely no idea how to screen a, a legal person at all so you know that that at least um she's got a little bit of a head start on that hasn't she coaching provides the space for professionals to take time to hit the pause button reassess make decisions commit to new action and move forward with clarity to enjoy a 10% discount on our coaching programs reach out and quote the word talent talent talk asia is brought to you in partnership with vincere the all-in-one crm for ambitious recruitment businesses visit vincere.io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast yeah and i think i I mean i don't know if you find the same but i think one of the key things i feel that's come out of you know doing recruitment is it's all about relationships and the sooner you can find a common touch point Mm. and you know have something in common the easier it is to develop that relationship. Yeah, and definitely. what we thought was really great about Bella is, which well, is a bit younger than me and Mark for a start. Yeah. And so for the more junior mid-level lawyers, yeah. she just yeah. connected straight away. Yeah. I got, got things in common. Got yeah. things in common. Yeah. I got great feedback from candidates. Yeah. She's um, probably got an Instagram account and everything. <laughs> yes. what, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, um, and, then, and then, you know, I think it's also just... The in-house experience really helps. And like I found the fact that we've lived in different territories and we deal with candidates globally. Mm. And that's a great um, sort of touch point. Like if I'm speaking to someone in the US and they know that I've worked in New York, they're straight away like, oh, like where did you live? And, you know, and then how did you find moving? Because we bring candidates in. We can really talk to our experiences of moving you know, different countries. Yeah, and now that you've got Belly, you've got that junior in that at least people feel that they, they've, um, she can build that network within that level as yeah. well. So that really works really well. You said it was another person. Yeah, so Kian Tong, he's great too. He, um, he's really good at, he's learned the legal market really well. So he's really good at sort of honing in on candidates doing that research getting that long list right, and right. sort of filtering was he well. from a legal background or not no right no. okay so uh he's the one that isn't from a legal background ah, but okay. he's you okay. know 
So had, so when it comes to sort of the recruitment side, because you know, you're still fairly new to the actual recruitment role, I appreciate you've come from that legal background. So how did you learn how to recruit? <laughs> well, I suppose I'd been recruited before. Yeah. So I kind of knew, you know, what it involved. Um, Mark had done an amazing ro- job of putting in, you know, working on the database and all the systems. Um, what database do you use out of interest? Recruiter Pal. Oh, right. Okay. Is it good? And it was good because he looked at a few and why we liked it is he was able to bespoke it They right. for legal because oh, we found good. a lot of them had either too many drop downs to complete, yeah, yeah. Like way too many, yeah. but also um, we were able to bespoke, you know, when we're putting keywords um, for the different practice areas. Right. Because right. it's, you know, people say we want a finance lawyer. But what kind of finance lawyer? Do you want to leverage finance? Do you want acquisition yeah, finance? So you need to go Project a lot finance, yeah. you know. So um, that's been great. And they're really responsive and really supportive. Um, so, I mean, Mark said, you know, you've been you've been recruited. You know what it is. You've hired. <laughs> go forth. And, <laughs> oh, my you know, God. I'm a little bit more involved in that. But, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it was, it was scary. Yeah. It was scary going into yeah. the unknown and not knowing whether you'd be any good at it or close anything or you know whether I'd have to be applying for one of the jobs that I was posting (laughs) but but no it was it was a last year was a fantastic year in terms of really busy and just sort of validation and sort of building Mm. confidence Mm. yeah good timing yeah in that respect it was I'm really keen to know how do you feel when you're in that situation where you are having to influence, you are having to get something over the line? Because I, you know, if you're not if you're if you're not used to being in the sales role, I mean, I sort of take it for granted. I've always been in the sales role, so for me, it just comes very naturally. You know, I don't even sort of realise that I'm probably influencing or probably selling. Has, was that was that uncomfortable? Was it a, a switch for you, or was it actually quite natural? Like, I'm keen to know that element of it. Um. I found, yeah, the hardest thing I think is actually when you get to offer stage and okay. the negotiations mm. in a way. Mm. But I think I just focused on, you know, just being really upfront with the candidates, just being able to highlight, I guess, given my experience, what I thought were the good things for the career. You know, what, while they may not, okay, so say it's, they may not have come up to expectations on comp. Mm. Mm there are all these other plus factors for your career. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's you're moving from a local firm to an international firm. Okay, that's a bad example because comp is generally higher. Yeah, yeah. But like if you're moving in-house, for example, mm-hmm. from private practice, you will generally have to take a pay cut. Okay. But, it, depending on sector, but you are, one, moving in-house. You're going to be closer to business. You're going to get more commercial exposure. If you don't see your career going to, you know, being a partner at law firm, Mm -hmm. this opens up a whole load of other avenues. Mm -hmm. You may have broader regional coverage. You will get opportunities to manage a team. There's all these other Mm -hmm. plus points Mm -hmm. that that appeal to the right candidate. Um, So, no, I didn't. But at at the end of the day, I think it's, you can't, you just have to accept. You can't force someone to move somewhere that they don't want to no I mean I can imagine the candidate side that's probably something that you can relate to but what happens when you've got a picture to a client and the client has said I deal with this other agency I mean when you're in that position yeah how do you feel about that or do you do do you get the big guns do you get Mark to get into it because he's been recruiting for a lot longer I'm I'm kind of keen to know that side as to whether you feel comfortable in that world Uh, yeah no it's fine because I realized 
that we do offer something quite different to our competitors. When we look at our competitors in the market, there are people with legal experience Mm -hmm. and they're great. But I suppose what's slightly different is we've worked at a a range of law firms Mm -hmm. and we were very fortunate in our careers to work with some really good law firms. Um, And so we're almost with the hiring managers just being really upfront about it I think that the key things that resonate with them is we want we're aim is to take the frustration out of recruitment mm-hmm. we're not going to flood you with CVs that don't mm. fit the job description mm. we get access to candidates because they connect with us because they recognize we understand them mm-hmm. and that resonated a lot with clients so I said yeah we're not like one of the big guys mm. we don't have a huge team is there big guys anymore though I always find with legal there was never teams that just were legal recruitment firms a lot of the time a lot of it was you know a tag you know yeah. same as sort of sales and marketing it was it was never on its own are there ones that are just stand alone yeah, there are. They Sizable? Are, yes, yes. Okay. And, and global. Okay. Um, there, there are a number of them. Um, and so that's your main differentiator then, would you say? Yes. And, yeah. but, and I think what has been really good is being able to say to them, and I guess this is thanks to Mark, is to say, we are working with all of your peer firms, your, like clients. We work with MNCs across all different sectors. Mm. And when we're talking to law firms, we're like, we're working with pretty much all of your peer firms. And this mm. is when we're talking to a top US law firm, mm. you know, an international law firm. Um, and to them, I guess it's low risk because if it's a contingent search, for instance, you know, why not give us a chance and see? And then when we've closed the role up against perhaps the ones they've been used to working with more, yeah. then we're in. Right. So it's more about, I don't, I don't feel, I've never really felt like they would dismiss this out of hand. Okay. Like if I've been able to get access, of course, you know, you reach out to certain potential new clients and you don't hear anything back, mm. but it's about, well, maybe that wasn't the right person. It's like not giving up, mm. you know, I've, mm. I've recently signed terms with a client that we had tried um, reaching out to in years gone by. Um, and sometimes you just connect with someone like I've just I yeah. wrote to them cold I said this is my background would love to work with you working with your peer firms yeah you know I can't come and see you because you're in Hong Kong and I, and we can't travel there but how about a call and and yeah and it worked it worked right yeah you just got a person and then once I get to speak to them I feel like that connection is generally good mm. like generally when I've gotten to speak to a client or when Mark's gotten to speak to a client we get the client like it you on your website it says about the magic magic circle uh, <laughs> not not everyone's holding hands and with like, chanting yeah no <laughs> it's a for funny those, for those listeners out there what does it mean oh it's this term i don't know where it came from but it is used to reference um I guess the top they would say so the top five uh, London headquartered international law firms got it got so it. there's five of them where they're, headqu- they're they're global firms but they're headquartered in London got it and so when you've put on there that you're both of you have come from yeah, those okay so it's a really it's a good it is a good USP then isn't it yeah Thank you for clarifying that. What advice would you give an industry person, whether it's, I know, a lawyer or compliance, et cetera, that's thinking of making a career switch to a sales role or to a recruitment role or a client-facing role? What advice would you give them? Oh, making the switch. I mean, I think 
you have to well first of all I'd say speak to people in that industry and ideally speak to people who've made that switch find out what it was that they loved about it hated about it found most Mm. challenging Mm. and then really you have to really look at yourself and your skill set and and really ask the hard question can I do that it's not for Mm. everybody Mm. some people really don't like picking up the phone cold to someone they don't know um and you know some people don't like having to do that bd and finding new work you've got to keep that pipeline going um and some people don't like doing that kind of selling i suppose you know or find it difficult or influencing yeah yeah yeah. so i my my advice would be with everything and I think this comes from my background, but do your research. Yeah. Do your due yeah. diligence before you take that move. But it's definitely possible to yeah, make that transition. I, abso- absolutely. Right. I think it's I think it's an interesting move. I mean for you it is interesting for you that you weren't you know, it wasn't one or two years out of doing law fund. You'd got to a fairly high high level in your career and to move into that role. So I find, I find that really fascinating. So how has this year been? I mean, it's, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're recording in December. It will be released in 2021. So we can, when it, when it gets aired, there'll be a sign of relief that 2020 is all over. Yeah. But how's it been for you both? Do you know what? It's actually been okay. Yeah? Yeah. I, I look back, I was saying to Mark, I look back on 2020 with some fondness. Look, it's been hard. With some fondness. You sound so British when you say that. With some fondness. With some fondness. <laughs> and look, I mean, look, from a professional point of view, mm. I think, yes, recruitment was hit hard, yeah. right? Global hiring freezes. We had roles in February, green light, you know, working really hard. And then March, clients saying everything's on hold. And, is it, and are you contingent predominantly or retained or a bit of a mixture? How do you, a how do you work? A mixture. Right, okay. A, a mixture. So we had a retained search that was, you know, Went down the drain. Pay, we were paid for, luckily. Okay, that and was good. And then was so that's put the on hold. Of a yeah, that's the beauty of a retainer. Yeah. But yeah, we had lots of searches that were on hold mm. and we then just, of course, you know, everybody was like, oh gosh, no one knew what was coming. Mm. And we just decided, you know what? We're going to take a sabbatical. Everybody, we'll just take a sabbatical. So we're watching the news and we're like, and all our clients were saying global hiring freeze. So it's like, well, what are we going to do about that? We had a few in-house roles that were bubbling along. So that was great for like Bella, you know, Mm -hmm. to just keep going. um, And we were fortunate to have closed. We got to close those. So that kind of was was good. But also for our private practice clients, we knew like lots of our peers are partners at law firms. Mm -hmm. We knew they were quiet. There's some Mm -hmm. practice areas that were busy. But notwithstanding that, because they were headquartered in Europe and in the US, global hiring freeze, because it was all going mm. crazy over mm. there. Um, so we said, okay, let's not do any BD. Let's not being annoying. How annoying would it be to just get a recruiter going, can we help with any hiring? I mean, <laughs> are you not reading the news? So we just decided we won't. And then the challenge came. So we had a lovely few months off with the kids. Are you, you serious? Know. I'm serious. You I'm really did serious. do that? We really did do well, that. Bella did as well. Or was Bella well, working? We had, so Bella and I continued to be quite busy. I mean, Mark, well, there were things we were doing. So there were things like, you know, keeping up with, you know, all of, we said, you know, you've got to keep up with what's going on in the news, what moves are happening, which practices yeah. are busy, not busy. Yeah definitely speak to candidates if candidates are reaching out because there will come a time Mm -hmm. where this will be over Mm -hmm. 
and it'll be good to know, you know, what the talent mm-hmm. pool is looking like. So we weren't completely not working. And so how long was this for? When, yeah. So from so circuit break, when I say we took a sabbatical, I mean we took a sabbatical on all BD, like in of all the reaching out to clients, wow. trying to get jobs in. We mm-hmm. had jobs. Different strategy. We had jobs. So we just worked on those jobs. Mm-hmm. We reached out to you know candidate we spoke to candidates we chatted to clients more about what's happening in the market yeah, we didn't once ask them like what's hiring but then the challenge came is like so when do we restart bd <laughs> right yeah um and i suppose what was a really nice surprise is towards july and august clients um reached out to us and said and you realized yeah Okay, this is the start time to get the BD client list out. Um, But, you know, they were still cautious. And and we were keeping our ear more on. It was when we spoke to clients we knew is, you know, what's going on in the practice. So, like, if if we knew a partner who was saying it's really quiet, like project finance, it's really quiet. You didn't touch them for a few months. We just was like, okay, project finance Yeah, because you've got the, you know, you're in a fortunate position and that you're not, you've not got, you know, big corporate where you've got a, be hitting those numbers or you're probably gonna get sacked right so yeah, so I think right. you're in a good position that you can do that that's nice that's really nice but you know unfortunately not everyone's in that no. position they had to bang the phones they had to squeeze anything they could get out right yes yeah. and well, you know we may have missed out on some hiring through yeah. that but strategy you, but it sounds like you made a conscious decision we did make a conscious decision yeah I found that quite interesting and we, really we told the team like in March yeah we said guys don't worry it's going to be quiet. This yeah. would be our busiest period. And yeah. I was more worried about Bella, sort of, because yeah. she just started. Thinking, she's probably, this is a dream job. Is no, this is a dream job. I'm going to get a, a bit of time off in my new job. It's fantastic. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... So you improved your golf swing then? I did. <laughs> but but now, yeah, but then it's been busy. It's a, you know, it's ending well, I think, for everybody because recruitment's coming back. And so what areas are, are busy right now? So I think throughout the year, mm-hmm. areas that have been busy are things like disputes. It's been really busy, right? right? Yeah, Restructuring yeah. insolvency, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, TMT, technology, particularly healthcare, okay. life sciences, that's continued it's to for, be busy. For, for what types of roles, though, when you're saying, cause that's like an industry, right? The technology, life sciences, for what particular types of areas then of so both in private practice lawyers that are supporting technology oh companies, got it got it okay. as well understand, as understand. like mm-hmm. a couple of you know the, they had a couple of in-house roles that continued right, because those industries are, are, are doing right. really well yeah. yeah kind of recession proof in a way aren't they some of those yeah exactly um but you know i think m&a activity capital markets mm. project finance mm. project finance was, was you know, a lot of it was because governments were so busy trying to deal with COVID crisis that they can't be looking at infrastructure projects and doing all those approvals. So that was interesting. Um, what have a candidates that at this point? Have you seen a change that they're more willing to entertain calls from recruiters or are they still a little bit kind of cautious to move right now? Both. So I think they are more willing to entertain calls, particularly as I think some firms did pay freezes um, or, you know, bonuses weren't so good this year. Um, So that was one. But yes, certainly there was, I spoke to a few candidates who, when I had a live role, who were cautious about moving. Mm. You know, what is the stability for Mm. that role? And, you know, frankly, I said to them, they're only hiring during this period because they have 
a real need. Yeah, it's actually a, like, it's actually a better, actually, it's a good sign, you know, isn't that it? It's a very yeah. good sign. Yeah. You don't need to worry about and that. And also there's no guarantees on where they currently are, I think. You know, you can't sort of sit there and think that, that any role is, is particularly secure. Agree. Are you looking to expand the business at all? We are. You are. Tell me about that. I know. It's Maybe it's a bit... You know, it, it has been a funny year, but we are looking to. Um, I actually interviewed someone today. Did you? <laughs> I did. Through a rec to rec or did you find them yourself or did they apply? <laughs> it was actually somebody who I've known, uh, ha- have dealt with myself mm. and thought, oh, that'd be interesting. They're not, they're not a recruiter either. Interesting. Um, and sort of floated the idea. And they said, oh, tell me more. And, and so discussions are progressing. To focus on what area? So, yeah. So we're actually looking at compliance. Oh, you know, I was just about to say, are you looking at compliance and risk? Are you doing like the credit market risk? and Not so much that. Or? So, yeah. So this is really interesting because compliance is so broad, mm. right? So the compliance roles that I've gotten in have generally been because it's, you know, my main client contact is a head of legal and compliance. Yes. So yes. it's generally the compliance that is very closely associated to legal, yeah. so anti-bribery, yeah. um, data protection is yes. a big one. Yes. Um, that kind of compliance, uh, money laundering, anti-money laundering, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, rather than I know you have these huge compliance teams that are not really so much focused but like you said credit risk and sort of you know know your client type stuff Um, but I have had a few of those and I realized you know there is when I started looking for those roles doing my searching there's this huge pool it's a really big market it's a really big market Mm. some of the compliance teams are bigger than the legal teams you've got control office and you've got there's so many there's so many areas of compliance yeah so I think Staying true to sort of our core branding mm-hmm. about adding value given our background, yeah. we will focus on compliance that is close to legal. Yeah. Right. Not yeah. trying to pretend that we know everything about these other areas of no, compliance. But you can but bring an expert that, in that does that, know it if they're yeah. from industry and they can build that out for you. So, Question for you hmm. on that, if you don't mind me asking. And well, if you're growing the business to the extent that you're adding more headcount, what's the... Is this something that you're looking in the future to sell? Are you looking that people will get equity in the business? Like, because, you know, things are changing now. When recruiters come and work for companies, they're not always just looking at a salary and a bonus. They're, you know, they're looking at, um, you know, why would, you know, I could do it myself or, you know, so I'm just kind of keen sort of when you're saying growing, expanding, what does, what does that mean? So at this point, you're yeah, not looking at sort of giving equity to anyone yet, particularly because I think we, st- we still want to grow the business and also, because it's a small business, mm. we want to work with people we really trust. Mm-hmm. That's really key and who are in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. So that's another challenge, I think, in the recruitment industry. I think there are a lot of recruiters that move around quite a bit. Yeah. And that's fine. That's the same as lawyers, and, yeah. you know, any yeah. industry. But as a business owner, that's important to us. Yeah. Um, and so we look at, you know, our retention strategy mm. is, you know, frankly, trying to do a bit better than market in what we can offer like in, in terms of commission as well bit bit better than market we're really small interesting. But okay so you you'd say that you will be you offer more than some of the other at that is level it, at is that it transparent sort of or is it transparent to talk about or is it after this podcast when we have a glass of bubbles you'll maybe over a, bo- a glass of bubbles <laughs> but I mean it's a it's an evolving strategy isn't it I think everybody mm. has to look at what in this case for all employers 
in retaining your team and yeah. in incentivizing people to join your team, yeah. what can you do? And that changes with yeah. time. So you're quite right. It does. It, I mean, you know. money's one thing, right? And and as long as it's kind of standard what you're paying, but people are looking at different things, aren't they? Um, I, mean, yeah. we, I just recently did a podcast this morning with um, Rectorek, um owner founder of Paddington Partners and what she was saying was people's move you know when people want to move recruiters want to move you know it is isn't just money it's also are they going to be trained and developed by that particular leader what does their actual career progression look like yeah yeah so it isn't it's not always just going to be on money and I think if I always found if I was interviewing recruiters and it was only money especially with Robert Waters being more of a team bonus scheme as opposed to individual. Mm. You just had to make sure there were other drivers for that person. Yes, of course, remuneration and target, that, that's, all, that's all worthwhile. But you've got to make sure that, it, that the client-candidate relationship, the building the relationships and all that integrity side, you're not compromising on that because the person is, is only purely sales-focused or money-focused. Money so exactly. I always find that quite, a, quite an interesting one. Um, one thing I, I didn't ask you, which is kind of going back a little bit, I apologise, was I was quite keen to, I was quite keen to find out because your background is quite different and Mark's has is, is obviously been doing recruiting for a, for a number of years. And obviously with 2020 being a tough year and sort of the BD side that you guys have obviously taken a step back from quite consciously. But now with 2021 and, you know, new clients, how, what has, what tends to be the approach that's worked for you and Mark at breaking into new accounts? Is it the bang in the phones or is it, you know, a, a, a subtle newsletter or what? It, what is it that you're doing that you think is working? So I think you can't get away from sometimes just, you know, reaching out to somebody, whether it's on LinkedIn or via email and yeah. just, you know, putting that sort of elevator pitch to them. Yeah. But mostly it's actually really nice. It's referrals. Mm. So we have clients who will refer us um, and I think it's we're really lucky because in private practice, private practice lawyers have their own clients, which are which would could be potentially our in-house clients. Mm-hmm. So I've had a few candidates actually who I didn't even place, okay. but just had a really good relationship. Say right. so the service. I've got, got a client right. who's looking to hire um, in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Would you be? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. And then that has gone on. So it's all this. Mm. I, I mean, it it's all boils up. down it's to relationships. Yeah. 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 We've had lots of success. Then also, um, like I say, candidates become clients. So we have mm. candidates who go in house, then lead the team. They need to build the team. And if they've had a good experience with us, they come yeah. back to us. Yeah. So they help me build the team. Yeah. And I think um, I've had clients who I've known from industry just in my life before who have said to me you know Jesse you've managed a team like what do you think when I've spoken to them about hiring strategy Mm. and then helps them and I think they appreciate that I'm not pushing them to like go for the scenic high cost no. you know bigger reward for me type yeah, they're getting, like, you're no. getting a consultative um, a, um can't get my words out they're not you're not they're not just talking to you as a recruiter they're talking to you because you've had that experience and they can it, it, as you said before it's that trusted advisor right you're not just yeah. trying to push something that can come across as not being that sincere um do you, do you miss working in legal no <laughs> no why <laughs> well, is that um <laughs> it's funny a lot of people said to me who knew me in my life as a lawyer they said you're going to find this really hard like how are you because I was quite full-on as a lawyer like I had a really full-on job I was really in yeah you know involved um 
No, I don't miss it. I mean, I still do Horizons legal work <laughs> in terms right, of right. proving all the so contracts. You're still, you're still in-house. But, um, I, uh, there's, that's like, you know, less than 1% of my time now. But um, I, I just love it so much more that I don't have time to miss it. And we mm. have been really busy. Like and when recruitment's full on, it is so full on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... I you haven't had really time it. to kind of, no. yeah. Also, also just being your own boss. Yeah, and I how has that. it been working with your husband? You know, it's actually I've not been... met your husband, have I? No. No, and no. you should. Uh, actually, it's been great. Yeah? Much better than expected. We get on better now than we did really? before. Really? Do you talk shop, though, when you go out? We do a bit, but yeah. I think Mark is very good at maintaining that separation. Okay. He's very, okay. very good at that. Um, and so, and I think it helps that we have our own clients, our own roles. Right. He said to me today, because we actually closed something today. Well done. Yeah, Congratulations. Um, and he said, I didn't even know you were working on that. <laughs> oh, said, wow. Okay. So, so you're not yeah, completely in no. each other's. Um, I said, oh, you know, I'm well, not okay. just, you know, when I'm in, when I'm working, I am working, you know, I'm not surfing the net. And are you working from home or you got an office? Both. So we have, we work from home now. We have a service office um, in the CBD right. where, you know, mail, phone calls, meeting rooms. Yeah. We used to have like permanent office space. Mm. Um, but then I think we realized, and especially with COVID, you know, clients don't come to your office. You go to their offices no, and candidates no. don't want to be seen anywhere near your no, office. No, it's an absolute waste of money. So yeah. um, we realized, you know, actually, uh, especially now we have a proper home office set up, um, we don't need it. Yeah. Perfect. And, and Roll out of bed straight into the office. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's kind of my world. Um, so just going on, just carrying on from what we talked about in terms of, you know, your work in you work from home, you've got a home office, as a lot of people are doing now. Your relationships with candidates and clients are global, as you'd mentioned before. So how has that been to build those relationships with clients and candidates virtually? Because it's different now. You can't just go and meet them. But even, you know, if you're doing a global role anyway, you're not ever going to meet them face to face. So talk me through your strategy, yours and Mark's strategy of being able to build relationships virtually. So I think the one thing we do before we reach out to a client is we do a bit of research. You love your research, I don't do. you? You're a research it's, it's, girl. Yeah. It's sort of love knowing it. your client, right? Love so it. You, you look at who you can reach out to. Mm -hmm. And then I always pick the ones that I think I'm going to have most in common with okay. or some kind of connection. So it could be I see that they spent time in in the UK. Right. Or, um, you know, when I looked on LinkedIn, they... I, you know, if we have people in common or they went to the same university or right, you, you right. Know, something in common. Or common connections and things, yeah. Right, or if they trained at the same firm. Okay. I've been lucky, we've been lucky because we've been to a few firms, yeah. not too many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a few and um, people at a senior level will have generally been to more than one as well. Yeah. So finding that is good. And then every time I reach out to someone, it's generally tailored. So, okay, one of the things I really hate mm. on LinkedIn is when I get a LinkedIn request and no message. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I am guilty of that. I'll tell you why I'm guilty. Not not often. It's because I do it from my phone. Yeah, and, and you can't. And you can't. And no, it's a nightmare. I so, I, that. so I might be lazy in the evening when I'm kind of um, watching Netflix and looking at LinkedIn at the same time as you do. And I think, oh, oh yeah, I must remember to send, you know, you, you click thinking that you're going to go into the message bit. And it doesn't. It just goes. And I think, oh, damn, it's too late now. 
Yeah. It's a nightmare, no, isn't it? it? Uh, half, the first time it happened to me, I was like, oh no, I need to bring that message back. Yeah, and I it's, couldn't. It's a nightmare, um, but it doesn't, it isn't personal. And I absolutely acknowledge that. It isn't very nice. Um, but I do it with recruiters and I don't think they care that much. No. <laughs> I don't think they care if I send them a message or not. No. <laughs> I do it afterwards. Yeah. So, um, so it's always trying to find that touch point. Yeah. And, and I find that I seem to... I think one of my strengths is mm-hmm. once I speak to somebody, once I get to speak to them. So it's always trying to say, give them a little bit of background, but say, I'd love to get on a call, a short call. If mm. you have a few minutes, I can mm. better introduce myself. And then once we get on a call, I find it so much easier to kind of get a sense of their personality. Mm. You know, you sometimes get people who are quite standoffish, yeah. you know, yeah, until they get reserved. to know you yeah, quite absolutely. reserved. That's fine. Mm then I adopt a more sort of, you know, respectful. In, yeah. you know, in so you're sort of really sort of reading the situation yeah. on how that's going to be. Yeah. Have you started to do kind of more Zoom calls yes. on, you know, when you've got that initial introduction? Yes. Yeah, so I actually had a meeting yesterday with a new, well, it's the new head of HR for an existing client, but it's a new okay. team. Right. And we did a Zoom. And actually this this whole COVID experience has been really good I think yeah. for Everyone's recruiters for video conference now haven't they yeah because yeah, you don't have the time frankly to keep going from meeting face-to-face I, meeting I to secretly meeting. love it <laughs> I, I secretly love it I can just bang out a load more meetings than I would be able to do than jumping in taxis here there and exactly. everywhere it's amazing and now that people are more receptive to it yeah. it's just so much easier mm. and I think Yes, it's harder, you know, than a mm. face-to-face sort of sometimes reading body language. But just because now everybody's more receptive to it, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's worked. Mm. Congratulations. Um, what's the future hold for you guys? You said you were growing. What, what else, you know, what else is in store for you both? So our, the other thing, aside from compliance, is one other area that has I now see as an opportunity, which has kind of just fallen to me, is law firms don't just have lawyers they have non-fee earning as they call them functions and we've had a few like business development yeah roles they've asked you know and then I recently of working very closely with um, a firm on senior hiring and um, the head partner said to me you know I need somebody to cover to do ops to be the head of ops Yeah. yeah And I said, you know, honestly, obviously that's not my focus, but of course oh. I can. Yeah, if I know of anyone. I, yeah. yeah. And we've been and successful. There we go. So then I Another revenue stream. In, in doing that search mm. and speaking to lots of people, mm. that's a whole other area. Well, you've got a shortlist now of if you've gone through one search, it's exactly. pretty easy to be able to exactly. redo it again. Um, so that's another potential area, but it is, you know, we don't want to be a really big mm-hmm. shop. Mm-hmm. We want to stay, um, you know, boutique, is, I guess is the word. Yeah. Like, but just have people who really understand our sort of brand values, our mm-hmm. points of differentiation, be yeah. comfortable with that and, you know, um, and build the team that way. Interesting. So yeah. if, if there were recruiters listening or people that were in industry in those fields that we were talking about, they should reach out to you? They can do. Cool. Yeah, Brilliant. Sure. Love it. Okay. Well, I mean, good luck for the future. Thank um, you. So let's do the rapid fire round. Um, it is only supposed to be about five minutes, but I tend to talk a lot and it ends up being a lot longer. So what was the last podcast or book that you listened or read that you'd recommend to the listeners? 
Last podcast was one of your podcasts <laughs> with Mark Mark Francis. Oh, Mark Francis in, in Hong, Hong Kong. Kong had a very interesting yeah. story, similar kind of smaller, started small yeah. and yeah. grew it. No, yeah. it's really it's a really entertaining one, isn't it? As yeah. well, I love yeah. I absolutely love doing that podcast with him. Um, do you find just just on that on terms of podcasts and stuff like that? Do you find that you listen to industry ones? I do, do, do actually. You? Yeah, because I'm I'm doing training with a compliance recruiter at the moment, and I must admit, I'd I'd done a bit of research for her, and I didn't realise how many compliance podcasts there were. There were so I know you're doing legal, but there were so many compliance ones. Yeah, and actually, what I've started doing so law firms or clients mm. who are sort of now putting out their own podcasts. Amazing. If I'm working with a client. Um, who I will go onto their website and yeah. obviously see who's who in the practice. Yeah. If they've done a podcast, I will listen yeah. to at least part what of that podcast. What are about then? Latest, industry? Yeah, latest legal developments or a, a big case okay. that they've worked on. And or, is it the partner doing it or is it the marketing team? Like how it's, are they doing it's it? It's generally the lawyers doing it. So, so it's, it's the amazing, partner or the associate. So it's always great when you say, oh, you know, and I heard you talk about that on your podcast. And at least they know you are actually interested. Yeah, in, and, I, I, yeah and I think it's quite personal. I think when people do do a podcast, it takes such a lot of time to do this someone has actually taken the time to listen to it. i think that again that, that just shows you've done your research that's interesting so it's mainly the the law firms that are doing it that is really interesting but i keep up to like clients of mine who are in-house and they mm. i know they're working on something and then they do their you know their publication on linkedin or their you know they announcement on linkedin i should yeah, say yeah I will <clears throat> drop them a little note saying, oh, I saw that, congratulations. Yeah, I think it goes a long way, doesn't yeah. it? And I think what's also useful about things like um, podcasts that you can just share it on WhatsApp. So if you've yeah. got a client or a candidate that you've got a good relationship with and you saw something that was relevant that is technical like that, not everyone has the time to be able to search those types of shows all the time. Or yeah. those, you know, so it's, it's, it, it, it's another way of building that relationship. So I told you I'm not very good at the quick fire <laughs> round. So what one piece of advice would you give a lead and compliance candidate Considering moving jobs right now, what one piece of advice would you give them? A legal a compliance. Or maybe a, le a legal. You're doing legal mainly, aren't you? Then compliance. Yeah, mostly legal okay, at the so moment. Okay, so what advice would you give a legal candidate considering moving jobs right now? Oh, a legal candidate, yes. Yeah. I would tell them to make sure they do their home. Well, first of all, definitely speak to, you know, you can do your market research, find out who who's looking do your research on the team. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it comes back to research. Sorry. You love that. I do. You are I know. Such a I didn't realise I was such a research person. You so really I'm so are. spotty. You are. No, it's all good. I think it works extremely well in recruitment. I want to say thank you very much for your time. Thank you. It's been thank awesome. I'm really me. enjoying it. Really enjoying it. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with Jess from Horizon Recruitment, then please check out the notes on this episode Episode where her contacts will be found and details of anyone else mentioned on the show. So we'll put Bella's details on there and we'll put Mark's on there. So if people to reach out, if there's any candidates or clients looking to hire, they can contact them directly. If you've enjoyed the podcast, then don't be stingy. Share it with as many people as you can. Rate it, review it and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, our company website, The Career Establishment over and out you have been listening to talent talk asia podcast by the career establishment to learn more about the career establishment our people and our latest thinking visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on linkedin twitter and facebook 